Welcome back to Here's the Deal, everyone. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we are talking to Katie Widrick about burnout. I have the absolute privilege of working with hundreds of women at a time, and I've also been working with a lot of these women for several years, not just one year, not just two years, but three or four years, and an overwhelming theme that I am seeing and you might be feeling and experiencing yourself is this 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 burnout, right? It's not a feeling, it's an actual thing to where you are burning the candle at both ends. You are overwhelmed, you are anxious, you do not feel like yourself, and you don't know why. <laughs> But if you were to listen to a friend talk about these things, you would say to yourself or you would say to your friend, um, Kylie, I, th- I think you might be burned out. So Katie is going to share with us her experience with burnout, what that felt like, what that looked like, and what she is doing to come out of it. We're going to talk about boundaries. Right? A lot of us have this inability to say no or set boundaries. We're going to talk about worthiness. Why do we feel like we have to do all of these things. How do you know if you are burned out? And then what other tools can help you? Spoiler alert, a lot of talk about therapy here. So I'm going to keep this intro short because you're going to get so much out of today's episode with Katie. Welcome back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to download the new Bumble now. We are going to have a hot topic today on the podcast because I am talking to my friend Katie Widrick. And we are talking about burnout. Um, as I mentioned, as I was teasing this episode on social media, I feel like a lot of women are on the verge of breakout, uh, burnout or are in burnout right now and don't know it or are, uh, are currently experiencing it and they are aware of it. So Katie's going to talk about that today. But before we dive in, Katie, can you just say hello and tell everyone about yourself? Hi, everyone. Hi, Kylie. I was laughing when you said it's a hot topic because no pun intended, it is a burnout episode and we are going to be talking about all of the symptoms that made me feel on fire and like things were burning down. So it's, it's apropos. And I love the pun. (laughs) I am. It's weird to say I'm thrilled to talk about this topic because it's a painful topic. And it's something that if I could have prevented the experience, I would have, I don't like being a personal expert on this topic, Mm -hmm. but because I do consider myself to be a high performer, I work in marketing. I have developed sales and operations and marketing and technology strategies for clients and for organizations over the last two decades in my career. I have been able to sort of see these patterns of the impact that how I'm wired and how I respond to stress is the same, regardless of the culture that I'm in. And also see patterns of individual cultures that have negatively impacted and kind of where my negative stress response hits negative culture and toxicity is, I think, the fire starter to continue that pun. So um, you'll hear a lot about that in my journey through television. I started my career in journalism. 
I moved into content creation and some social media influencer work. Spoiler, I was terrible as an influencer. And I found that I have always loved just really the back end work, you know, serving the people who do have influence and love to talk and promote. They need websites built. Well, that's what I like to do. They need email funnels. That's what I like to do. So my career has been somewhat meandering, but it's always had that thread of how can I serve people who have influence a story and something to market and sell? How can I support them on the back end with the systems, with the automations, with the technology so that they can truly lean into their gifts, but have a lot of success on, on the back end as well? It's so important to have the people like you. I just was interviewing um, Candy Valentino for another podcast, and she's talking about, you know, in your business, you've got the entrepreneur, you've got the talent, and then you have the operations. And like, you might be able to wear all three of those hats in the beginning, but you can't for very long. You really can't. And I learned this lesson fairly early on. So I, when I was in, you know, my teens and maybe even earlier, I knew Kylie, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And I knew who I was going to be. I was going to be Hannah Storm and I was going to be on air. I was going to be doing something in sports. Maybe I was going to host sports center. Maybe I was going to do color or play-by-play for the Boston Red Sox. I knew that I was going to be in front of a camera. People were going to hear my voice and it was going to be about sports. Mm -hmm. And then I showed up at college and I went to Syracuse University, which is known for broadcast journalism. I pursued a dual major, which again, will tell you that maybe I've always pushed a little bit too hard and tried to do maybe one or two too many things. But as I was in college, I had this opportunity freshman year where you sort of got to test all of the different roles that you play in a television production. So you have the director, you have the technical director, you have the audio engineer, you have the floor director, you have the weatherman, you have the sports person, you, you name it. And we did this round robin approach where everyone in class had to do all of their roles. And I started to freeze up anytime I was on camera I've never had stage fright. I enjoy being on stage. I enjoy talking, but there was something about the act of reading other people's words Mm. and not being the boss of what was going to happen. You know, I couldn't tell the director, Hey, let's go with this camera angle, or I think the lighting should be adjusted. What I found is that I could do that when I worked behind the scenes as a producer and the producer is the boss in television news. So again, That early experience really helped me to understand that my highest value and the thing that really fired me up was being the boss, but being behind the scenes. Mm. And it took me a long time in a lot of therapy and a lot of self-exploration and yes, burnout Mm -hmm. to be able to really place the value that I think that role deserves. I think, and, and maybe this is just my perception or my experience, but I think a lot of times, especially with social media, now I'm seeing this more and more, there's such a high value placed on the person who's out front, like the loudest person in the room, the person who looks the best on camera, who is the most articulate, who X, Y, and Z. And don't get me wrong. I love that. I am always amazed at people who just turn it on and are okay with going with the flow, Mm -hmm. but I'm too much of a control freak to be able to succeed in that. And so being able to say, you know, what I do and how I do it and the outcome 
there's so much value in that. That took me a long time, but most of the people in operations and particularly women in operations or backend support roles, I think we really share this struggle of like, can we be high performers? Can we be integral and perhaps one of the most valuable people on the team, but not have the same front facing, I guess, you know, credit. Um, People don't know me, you know, in all my roles, including one of my more prominent roles that I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, working for a very fast growing fitness company, you know, my day-to-day work was seen and impacted tens or even hundreds of thousands of people on a daily basis, but no one really knew my name. And I still, I think, struggle with that dichotomy of success and how you can internalize it and how you can kind of validate it Mm -hmm. without the external affirmations as well. Well, I will say this, you know, I am that forward-facing person. And I will also say that the people who are behind the scenes make the machine go. Like I am just the the pace. The most important people are behind me. (laughs) And I love that you are, that you don't just recognize it, but you say it, Mm -hmm. you know, I, on the topic of burnout, I am clear now that this was not a one-time thing. It wasn't like, oh, you were in this role or in this environment and this thing happened and you were a victim of burnout or this thing happened to you. I'm really clear, Kylie, on there is some internal stuff, the way I'm wired, Mm -hmm. the way my brain responds to stress, the way my body responds to stress. Like, I mean, I'm talking to the expert here, like the way that my hormones and my minerals Mm -hmm. get out of whack has a significant impact on how successfully I can navigate stressful situations. Mm -hmm. And that is true 20 years ago, three years ago, 10 years from now. Like I am really clear on, there are things that I can control and the way that I can better manage the things that do happen to me or that I let happen or that I actively pursue that I have to really take ownership of because leaving a specific role or an environment or a job isn't necessarily the solution. My experience is that, again, I was in experiences where maybe gas was being poured on the flame, you know, or it's like if I was using my strategies to get through it and to cope and to be really healthy, there's only so much you can do if you're also being battered down by the institution. Yeah. But I guess I would say that while that's like a fun not fun. None of this is fun, but you know, while it's an interesting topic, it's the thing that, you know, people get their popcorn and let's spill the tea about how did this happen and who did this? And, you know, I'm pretty open about that, but the more impactful thing and the thing that I can actually control is like, how do I better manage Mm -hmm. when I'm in a situation like that? And so I've definitely learned that again, like being number two to the number one, which is my most recent role, I will always take away so much joy and pride in that role. And also understand that just by being the number two, I sort of set myself up for different expectations Mm -hmm. and put myself in a high level kind of high target place without the healthy levers that I could have maybe, and should have definitely pulled to like release all of the stuff that was happening two things. There's like, there's that saying that says 
that goes wherever you go, there you are. Ooh, that's like uh, Winnie the Pooh or, you know, something like something right? just pulled back from my childhood. That was deep and and so true. And so yeah. like to your point, you're not playing a victim. You're understanding that your body responds a certain way. And no matter which place you put yourself in, you're going to see those things. But then also, did I get the book recommendation quiet from you? Have you read that book quiet about introverts? I have read it. It did not come from me. And it's funny because. I actually consider myself this, it's a new term to me. I'm sure it has been in the vernacular for a long time, but an ambivert. And so the, you know, the way that I understand it or the way that I sort of define it is that I have actually a very extroverted personality. Again, I like put me in the club, put me at a packed dinner, like put me on stage. I am here. Like if you ask anyone and this actually is funny to think about now because at the peak of my true burnout, like my clinical, not this like trendy, Oh, I'm so, you know, burned out. Like, no, like in intensive therapy, walking away and torching my career, like all of these things, having interventions from people who loved me, like the real, real deal burnout that was happening in my life. And I look back at pictures and videos and social media, like you would have thought I was at the absolute peak of my happiness. And so that is the extroverted side of me where I really do love being around people and being all of the things, but I'm still the person that on a Friday night, my ideal is being at home in my jammies, you know, sitting, watching a movie with my kids, falling asleep by nine o'clock. I like solo walks where nobody's talking to me. Nobody's trying to, you know, hold my hand, mommy, mommy. Like, so it is this like dual of, I like this extroverted side of me, but I actually vibe more as an introvert. And that's sort of my more natural state. So a long answer to your question, but this ambivert kind of personality is where I land. So I'm super interested in introverts because I think that's where I'm healthiest. Yeah. But I tend to, veer toward the extroverted side, especially when I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to be loud. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so crazy. I, I, I might fall in that ambivert category as well. Interesting. I, I find that a lot of people do when it's, you know, I'm, I've found myself really attracted to, I mean, you name the personality quiz and I've taken it like all of them. What's but your Enneagram? Are you with I'm a one. a one? I'm a one yes. with a two wing. And like, I identify so deeply as a one it's, it's wild. And so, yeah, it's like all of the things about a one that are true about this ambivert, Mm -hmm. that's where I really land. You know, I do like a system. I do like a process and I kind of can't apologize for like seeing the world in this binary black and white, good, bad. You know, I I was listening to a Ted talk or an episode of Brene Brown's podcast. And she was talking about the difference between guilt and shame Mm -hmm. and this concept of shame being, you know, here, I am a bad person and guilt being, I did this bad thing. And that also feels very Enneagram one to me. Like my, I definitely lean into man, you know, that email went out and it had a typo. I am the worst. I can't believe I'm such a terrible person. I cannot forgive myself instead of like, Hey, this crappy thing happened. It was a mistake. It's not going to happen again. It actually didn't have a massive impact. Like 
nobody was hurt. It's embarrassing. I'll move on. And it's the, like the moving on from stuff that I can't do. And, and so, yeah, defining this like shame versus guilt, Enneagram one thing that's all kind of tied up in definitely what my therapist is working with me on as well. It's all kind of a virtuous cycle. Thank goodness for therapists, right? Oh my goodness. And it's so funny because I, in my heart of hearts, I have been open to the concept of therapy my entire life, you know, without giving away too much of their stories. My family history is riddled with depression, anxiety, you know, all of the things, mental illness. I think even just, you know, yeah, I've really come to understand that it's a spectrum like anything else. And so, you know, if you're on this, if you believe in the concept of a spectrum, nobody's on or off it. You're just kind of at different levels and you can move to different like healthy stages, unhealthy stages. But my family has always been pretty open. And my mother in particular, I think knew, you know, Hey, if I'm going to have, she's the oldest daughter of an oldest daughter, I'm now her oldest daughter. And by the way, I have an older daughter. I have a daughter, my first child. So this pattern is there. And, you know, I really credit her for being open my entire life and saying like, sometimes you have big feelings, you know, if you feel this way, it's okay to talk about it. You can, you know, I know that in my house and I'm so thankful for it now, Kylie, like mental health, even if we weren't calling it that, like talking about big feelings, talking about emotions, processing things that was always okay in my house. And I know that that's not true for a majority of people, but because of that, I think I was always like, yeah, maybe someday. And like, maybe if I ever needed pharmaceutical support, if I needed other interventions, I'm, I'm there for it. But it wasn't until I like truly found myself of like, okay, this is no longer like, should I go or should I not go? It was like, if I, all of the things I've tried have failed, I am at rock bottom. I'm looking down and there's nowhere else to go. I mean, not to be melodramatic about it, but I definitely hit a point where I was like, I will do anything to not feel this way anymore. I will do anything to stop scaring the people who love me. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I will not leave any, like, you know, if you had told me, Katie, this thing is going to, this pill, this course, this therapy, this book, this pod, like you name it, this thing is going to help you handle your feelings in a more healthy way. Stop feeling so overwhelmed, get rid of the anxiety, get rid of feeling like a failure make you stop lashing out at people, you know, all of these things that I was feeling and doing, but it's going to cost a million dollars. I would have done it. I would have been like, put it on whatever card. Like I knew I'm really proud. I would say of myself in that moment to say, you know, whatever it is, like I have to give it up. Like nothing, nothing I'm doing is working, but it wasn't until then that I was like, okay, therapy. Therapy sounds good. Try that. And so, (laughs) and you know, I I would love to tell you in hindsight, like, oh, if I had just done that earlier, there's no question. If I had, you know, maybe just been not more aware, because the the painful thing about this is it. I don't know the right analogy, but it's like I sort of feel like I had a little bit of an out of body experience about dealing with burnout. It wasn't that I was unaware that I was kind of transitioning into a negative place. You know, I know when I'm snapping at people, I know when I'm snapping at my kids, I know when I'm 
shutting my door so I don't have to hear people. Like I just didn't want to be around people. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't, none of those things. I knew that working from 6am to 9pm was not good. Like I knew all of these things rationally, even in the moment, this isn't like, Oh, in hindsight, wow. No, like, I think I really do know that like consciously and subconsciously, I was like, Oh, this is not right. Something about this feels very dissonant. I don't like who I'm am. I don't like the way I just talk to my colleague or my husband or my mom or the person at the grocery store. Like I'm genuinely a nice person, Kylie. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, everybody has bad moments, but like, I'm just not a snappy person. Yeah. And so, but it took me a while to get to a point where I was like, Ooh, like, yeah, the, the, this, this thing happened. It wasn't like a, I would love to tell you that there's like, Oh my gosh, there was this dramatic incident and this happened. And therefore, no, it was just like, I really got to a point where whatever day I cry, you know, I've been crying a lot. All of these things that I do look back on, I'm like, Ooh, like your body was telling you something like crying on the way to work, crying on your lunch break. Not that there was one, but you know, crying all the time is not good. (laughs) Not a good sign. But anyway, so all of these things, you know, it wasn't like there was some dramatic point where it just came to a head. I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I can't, this is so exhausting. Like the idea of waking up tomorrow and feeling like this and acting like this, I was ashamed of the way I was acting. Then I was like, okay, therapy, like podcasts, what are we doing here? Um, and from there, it's funny because I have been talking a lot with friends who, again, on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. I have yet to, in the last six months, I've been talking about this with a lot of people, people I know, people I don't know. And I'm very convinced that everybody is on this spectrum, even if it's just like, oh, I'm, you know, sometimes I have a few bad days at work and it's not the burnout, like the big capital B burnout. But I do think that most people right now are feeling exhausted and are feeling overwhelmed. We're navigating all of this disruption because of a global pandemic and because of the way that we're working or not working now and how parent, you know, all of the things, Kylie, but you know, what, what I will say again, is that even though I was feeling in the moment, I do now want to urge people who are feeling that to take action. I, I know that had I started working with a therapist earlier, I could have, I don't know that the outcome would have changed, but I could have prevented pain for myself and for those around me. And so I honor that. Um, I think that by speaking out more and telling people, Hey, I'm not okay. And I actually don't know what the fix is Yeah, that like, I'm a fixer. I've always called myself the Olivia Pope of marketing. <laughs> it used to be on all of my sales collateral and all my website <laughs> marketing. I was like, you need a fixer. Like, you don't know. <laughs> I love this concept of like, you don't know what's broken or how to fix it, but you know, come to me and I'll figure it out. And so to not be able to say that, you know, I, I think I wanted for sure. I know this about my personality. I wanted to say like, I'm feeling this, I am feeling anxiety. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like my boundaries are not being respected. I'm feeling like I'm being treated in a poor way. I'm feeling all of these things and here's how I'm resolving it. Mm. It was like, I couldn't tell you how I was going to resolve it. And so this, there's like the weight of saying, I feel really awful. And then just like letting it sit there feels like a burden. Yeah. For someone other people. Yeah. Now I recognize like, you know, it actually hurt people more for me to just act the way it did 
and not articulate how I was feeling. I think even for the non-fixers in my life, they would have maybe felt validated to like, okay, so we're all on the same page. Like she's pretty terrible right now. (laughs) She's going through some stuff. Like we don't know how we're going to resolve it, but it's like, you know, is is it me? Am I the drama? Oh no, no, no. Like Katie's the drama. (laughs) Let's settle that. Let's not stop like gaslighting ourselves and say, oh, it's something else. And I do, you know, I do wish that for everybody involved, I had been able or had felt safer in saying like, I am really struggling, not okay, not sure what to do. And then have, you know, had other people help me fill in the gaps. Do you think that's what it is? To me, it sounds like it might be both of these things. When women are experiencing this, they don't feel safe enough to say what exactly they're feeling. um, But also they don't want to burden other people. Is there any other factors that are involved? Those are two big ones for sure. In my experience, I will layer on that. I, my body was giving me signals that I now recognize were adrenal fatigue, Mm -hmm. were totally imbalanced hormones, minerals. You know, I am 40. How old am I? Wow. Do you do that ever? all the time. Okay. I'm 42. (laughs) I was born in 1980 and it's a nice round number. And so I'm always like, okay, I at least have a little bit of simple math to back me up. So I'm 42 now. Um, but when I was really experiencing this, it was sort of the transition between 40 and 41. And so I am also now kind of aware that in addition to all of those things that you talked about that are me have been me probably since I was born, I was also going through some changes just because of my life stage and, you know, not, I, I don't, I know Kylie that I did not reckon I put like a real high value on, well, this is how I'm feeling. And if I talk about it, it's going to, yes, it's going to have a negative impact on the other people. Or if I can't do this, someone else is going to have to, and they're going to screw it up. It's going to come back to me anyway. Like these are all of the, the really terrible kind of limiting beliefs or negative self-talk. Like that is a thread for me. I am hyper aware of now that I feel as though if I delegate this, or if I don't do it, it's going to end up back on my plate anyway. Hi, I'm a fixer. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be worse. So I might as well just suck it up and do it. Or if it's going to fail, might as well fail because of me. Um, so I think some of those things are not specific to me, but are specific to like a subset of high performer, Enneagram one, you know, all yeah, processors. Those things sound really familiar to me too. <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm so glad we're in it together, even though it's a really not a great club to be in. uh -uh. We need to bring in the threes and the fun sevens and the gentle nines. Like we need, we need to fill out our circle. I mean, fives, I haven't forgotten you. I love a five. I'm married to a six twos. I love you, but I also know that if I burden you, it's going to, you know, it's worse. So twos, I love you, but I'm not inviting you to my pity party. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm married to a six as well. Oh man, there's a, there's a whole topic on that. I mean, a, a totally separate podcast series that you need to do on what it's like to be a one married to a six or an anything <laughs> married to a six. Um, but yeah, so, so I, again, I just want to add that there were things that I, you know, I've done now that are proactive and that I know won't, if it's not that they won't repeat, but I know now. Hey, I mean, for me, like literally knowing if I don't manage these things, well, it's either because of, or it's impacted by my magnesium, my potassium, like where are my hormones? How am I feeling my body? Am I like 
super carb dominant, you know, all of the things that, again, you are an expert on and that I learned so much from you, but navigating that like actual physical and kind of chemical thing Mm -hmm. in addition to my stress response Mm -hmm. was really impactful. And I do think that if my body had been in better shape, everything else probably would have felt more manageable. It was such a, like an avalanche of things. My body is feeling like garbage and my brain can't handle it. And And I'm also not setting any boundaries. So how can someone honor my boundaries? But, um, but yes, it's, it's all of those things. And, you know, again, I, because I really do want to focus for me on like, how do I prevent this from getting to the point where I am broken, Mm -hmm. where I am having people tell me like, I don't want to be around you fix, fix yourself, girl. Like, and that happened to me from multiple people who did it completely out of love. And I'm so thankful now that they felt safe enough to say, I love you. I'm here regardless of what you do. Like you can't, you can't make me leave you. Yeah, You can't be so toxic and bad that I'm walking away, but I'm just telling you, like, I'm going to, I don't like you right now. I don't want to be in the same room. Like that really caught my attention. And I think was part of that, you know, more dramatic final move into therapy and to making some pretty sweeping changes. But I also really do recognize that, you know, I never, and I'm, I don't usually talk in like definitive or superlatives or whatever, but like, I never said, these are my boundaries Mm. and not even from like a, you know, like a woo speak thing. Like I, I never phrased it in any way. I was never like, yeah, I can do that, but it's going to have to be tomorrow or, Mm -hmm no, I can't get on the phone right now because it's dinner time with my family or no, I can't open Slack and mess in respond to messages because I'm out of state on PTO. Mm -hmm. I never said any of those things. So like, there was no way I I can't hold someone responsible. Yeah. I really can't. I mean, if I'm, if I'm totally fair to people around me, it's like, I think if I had said it and then they didn't honor it, I would have been like, well, I told you this. You know, it's like, I'm so tactical. I'm like, I told you a, you did B. So the outcome is C, (laughs) but I just never even like set that up. So, um, I know that in the past I've struggled with, I think a lot of women struggle with boundaries, but like, I'm afraid to set them for, because I feel like I need to do all the things or be available all the time because it's all that worthiness stuff. Oh my gosh. That's that the hardest one for me to overcome because that piece of me, I think the thing that makes me feel like it's my superpower is the thing that I have to be okay with letting go. Or, you know, if I'm framing it more positively, you know, to, to be woo, like if you believe in an abundance mindset instead of scarcity or fear mindset, which is like, I am so actively pursuing that. Like I literally have affirmations, you know, around me. I will check something if I'm like, why am I responding this way? No, I'm going to approach it from an abundance. I'm going to assume that this is happening for me, not to me. You know, all of these things that have been like really proactive, like I journal about it. I am trying to be really cognizant of like how I'm saying things or how I'm perceiving things and then just speaking the opposite. But I do think that, you know, I have to understand that I can still be a high performer. I can still be someone that you count on. I can still be all of these things and achieve my highest and biggest dreams Mm -hmm. and say, there are times when I can't work. Someone else is going to have to do that. That's not the right project for me. Thank you, but no. And I'm a work in progress on that. 
you know, yes. if you or your listeners are like, wow, six months from burnout, because this is about, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you about six months after major structural change, intensive therapy, left my job, took a sabbatical, had this like beautiful, deep, emotional conversation with my husband and my family and kind of recommitted to things, mm -hmm. uh, all of these things that I did and, and continuing to do as I talk to you now, it's been about six months, but it's not fixed. Right. You know? So it's like, I can recognize that two things can be true. Like I have done really good work and I have better prepared to, you know, handle whatever comes next and still say, it's like, you know, I'm giving you a lot of analogies on this conversation, but I've been thinking a lot about, you know, when, if a doctor gives you antibiotics, they're like, you need to take the whole thing. Don't stop taking the medicine just because you feel better. That means the medicine's working, but you have to finish the course of it. So, you know, I found myself, Kylie, about three weeks ago, and I'm like, you know, I kind of maybe I'm done with this whole therapy thing. Like, it's been great. Don't get me wrong, but like, I feel good. And then I was like, oh no, girl. Like, no, no, no. Like, the whole point is that this is an active, long term, maybe lifetime commitment that I make. And, you know, I, I sense some of those things starting to sneak into, I took on a client. So I restarted my marketing services company. I had been, uh, you know, the sort of long and short of my career is I've gone back and forth between entrepreneurship and solopreneurship and kind of going in-house from time to time and working on projects. But when I was really going through this final stage of burnout, it was while I was in-house at a very, very fast paced, quickly growing, high energy, kind of frenetic uh, company. And I have a lot of positive feelings about my experience and what I took away. And I, again, two things can be true. I can also recognize that that environment I couldn't stay in. That was deeply negatively impacting me. And I don't think that even if I continued to do this good work, you know, choosing to not be in that environment was perhaps the most pivotal decision and the scariest mm -hmm. you take the leap and you build your wings on the way down. And when you're also feeling vulnerable and you're also feeling all of the things, you know, like physically broken, mentally broken, you're also investing in therapy, like all of these things you're like, Oh, and, and I'm going to walk away from this stable thing. But I can tell you completely that it was the right decision at the right time. And the abundance mindset has benefited me. So I'm back now running my own business, but I'm still kind of confronting some of these challenges. You know, do I take this client or this project on that doesn't quite feel like a good fit, but if I say no, will I ever get another offer? Am I just tempting? Like, is my car going to break down right after I say no to this, you know, is something going to happen? So, you know, I, I would say that that is still kind of like a manifestation of like this fight or flight, like my response to stress. And that's what I mean. Like whatever, however I'm wired mostly for good, my anxiety, the things that led me to burnout are actually my superpower. I'm crystal clear on that. The things that make me really good at my job, the things that help me serve my clients, the things that give me the, the provide me the gifts that I then use to impact people in a positive way is also, it's like the same, it's two sides of the same coin. It's also the thing that leads me through anxiety, you know, being a perfectionist, the flip side of that coin is that I cannot forgive mistakes. 
for myself or for anyone around me, you know, being somebody that completes the job on time, never misses the deadline, all the things also means that it's difficult for me to compartmentalize the work and say, I need to put this first, my family, this other thing. So working through that will be something I do for the rest of my life. That is a hallmark of being a high achiever, being a high performer. Um, but it is again, also something that anytime that I feel like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'm done with therapy. Like maybe I don't need to be journaling. No, no, you do. No, I'm gonna, if anyone ever hears me say like, I'm truly like, I'm asking your listeners to hold me accountable. If you follow me after this and you're like, wow, Katie, all of a sudden is like, no therapy. I'm done. Like you guys better get in my DMS to be like, no, no girl. Oh my gosh. Remember what you said? No, I think you need to stick with it. My husband and I talk about this all the time. Um, I don't know if you watch Modern Family. There's an episode where Cam, remember the episode where Cam goes <laughs> to therapy for the first time? Oh my gosh. And he runs through his entire life. And she's like, you're good. And <laughs> Mitch is like, you just graduated from therapy in one session. How it's like, yeah, I'm so, I'm so well adjusted. Well, it's funny too. I have, I love my therapist, but you know, for six months, all of my sessions have been about work and again, not a specific yes. role. There's certainly like, again, I'm, I'm such an open book with her. I don't think you can really do therapy if you're not doing the hard work. You you know, it's like I've, I've been the most vulnerable with her than I have been in my entire life and, you know, recalled things and all, all of it. I've cried so much. But it was funny because right as I was like, I, maybe I'm good. Like maybe I can take a break. I was like, I said one little thing about parenting. And then I was like, oh, so like, that's the next six months. Like, okay. Like, like exactly. I was like, so what we did was we like right-sized my awareness and like my stress response to work. Mm -hmm. All we did was we kind of moved that back in its place where it's now like healthy maintenance and all of the other things that are, that, you know, generate a stress response, just like, they were like, Hey, like Uh being a mom, Hey, (laughs) being a daughter, being X, Y, and Z, like diet culture, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Like there is an endless list of stuff that I can deal with for the rest of my life in therapy. And frankly, I, um, I, not that I'm sick of talking about work, but I am actually really excited that I'm at a point where like talking about this Yes. three, four months ago, I was still in it. So if you had asked me like, Katie, can we talk about burnout? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, you, yeah. you know, I've been like, it was such an active thing. And again, I am very, very conscious that I cannot afford to be like, that was a thing that happened and it's in the past, but I am now excited that I'm able to kind of unpack and use the same healthy responses to the things that mean way more in my life. Like at the end of the day, I care so much more about, am I a patient parent? Am I leading my girls? Well, am I pushing back against toxic diet culture and modeling all of the right things? Am I, you know, able to unlearn the things that have been passed down to me about my body and not pass them on to my girls? So uh, yeah, you know, me and therapy, BFF. That response and therapy one thing that came up in my session yesterday was she's like, it's not the response, Kylie. It's your response to the response. Ooh. Yeah. So like, we're going to have these responses, right? Our body's going to respond in a certain way. It's what we do then that, you know, that's where we can 
make a decision and have more ownership. I love that. My therapist this morning. So one of the, I live in Florida and one of the things I will tell you about therapy is that it can happen anywhere. And so for me, it now happens at the beach. And so my therapist and I are able to walk in the sand, listen to the waves and then, you know, unpack all of the deep things. Um, But this morning she said something to me that feels very parallel to what you just shared. And it's, you know, in my particular experience, but I think on the whole, like this concept of needing to be fixed, it's just not there. Like, I mean, I don't feel like I'm needing to be fixed. Uh, if we go back to that spectrum, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm on kind of the more healthy side of the spectrum or that if I do react or respond, that's the exception. And I'm not constantly operating. Like we, I talk with her a lot about this fight or flight and how your adrenals impact all of the things. But, you know, fight or flight is sort of this, like you have these boundaries where you can go high, you can go low. So you like freeze when you're under response, under stress, or you can like react aggressively. But if it's sort of within these parameters, it's still right sized. Mm -hmm. It's when you're all of a sudden, like at a level 15, when really rationally, it's like a level five Mm -hmm. that you you kind of start to see damage and you do things that you can't take back or you feel things that are make you feel ashamed. And so she's been talking with me a lot about being less reactionary and less reactive. And it seems like the same thing. It's like, how can we, you know, I was talking with her today about parenting and my two girls are the most important people in my life, like full stop. And yet I can say there are things that they do that trigger me. And then I find myself just like, why was I so mean in that moment? Mm-hmm. Or like, why did, why did I just not have any patience or grace? And what was it about the way that she said that thing? And why did I respond differently to her than I did her little sister? You know, all of these things that like, oh my gosh, I know from talking to other moms, it's like, this is our shared experience. Like you can be an amazing mom and still sometimes just be like, this sucks. You know, like, I, like, why stop, are you touching me? stop talking. Like, why, yeah. why did you, why are you back talking? Like, why, why is your room so messy? All of the things. And, you know, she was like, yeah, we're not getting to the point where like, it's healthy for your kids to see, like, you won't accept that, or you have a boundary or you don't get to talk to me that way. Or this is not how we treat each other in our family. Like, it's okay to express that and to model that, but to be able to take a step back and not jump. Like, I mean, again, like, making some, a, a colleague feel pain. I, I, I don't want that, but it's such a different imprint than like doing something that makes your kids suffer. Yeah. And, and so like, I think just like my awareness of how important it is that I get it right with my kids is even more important than like, did people think I was a good coworker, a good employee? I want that but I don't need that as much as I absolutely have to have that with my kids and my family. And so, you know, just, it was a gift for my therapist to say to me, like, we're not trying, like, it's not that you can't get frustrated. It's not that you can't express human emotion to your kids or say, Hey, I'm going to walk away. Like, I'm not going to have a conversation while you're using that tone, but to not respond with aggression or like without any pause that for me felt really helpful because the times, and again, like burnout, when I was really at the peak of it, that's when I knew I was, I needed something I needed to change because it's just like the smallest things. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, right like, uh, oh my gosh, Kylie. And it was like, you know, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I know I'm very clear that I am a good mom and I've never done anything that I couldn't take back. But again, it was like, it's this chip, chip, chip. 
-hmm. you know, like if, if in 10 years, are my kids going to look back and be like, you know, mom sometimes lost her temper or, you know, would send us like all these things, but like on the whole, did we love being around her? Was she joyful? Was she happy? Did, you know, or was she just like constantly annoyed? Mm -hmm. It was like the chip, chip, chip that really started to hit me. It's like my kids would come home from school and I'd say like, okay, like get your karate uniforms off mom. No, I said, get your karate uniforms. You know, I was like, there was nothing like mean or bullying or, you know, I was never, it was never to the point where I felt shame. At t- I was just like, oh my gosh, is that how I want to be? Right. Like I brought, brought, I so like intentionally and purposefully brought these children into the world. Like my kids were like the most planned, most wanted, you know, like <laughs> I worked hard to have those kids. Yeah. And so to be like, wait a minute, like I need them to know that yeah, they're going to annoy me. And mommy's got a temper like anyone else. And mommy does X, Y, and Z, but like, I just wanted to be a safe place. Mm-hmm. And I knew, thankfully, you know, I mostly regulated myself in front of them. Like I really took it out on other people when mm-hmm. I hurt people, hurt people. Right. I know that and scared people act in a way that like is driven by fear. Um, so yeah, so I, I definitely, um, you know, take some solace that I don't think my kids would be like, Oh my gosh, there was this period of time when mom was really dark and mean, but I know that it could have been that chip, 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 where like the cumulative effect of being around me for my kids could have just continued to spiral. And that was unacceptable to me. So if someone is listening and they're like, well, maybe I am burned out because I think too, a lot of people think these things are normal. Like it's normal to feel anxious all the time. It's normal to always feel overwhelmed. It's normal to, I don't know, just feel less than your best. What would you say are the biggest red flags you are suffering from burnout if? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be so nice, Enneagram ones, if we could just take a test? Like I will send in a strand of my hair every (laughs) six months. You tell me (laughs) I need to take some um, supplements. Uh I need to... Yeah. I've actually thought about that a lot. Like, I mean, I will take every test under the sun to work on myself, but there is nothing, at least that I know of that really pinpoints, like Mm -hmm. you are at this stage of burnout. That would be very helpful. So here's how I would, I would tell you, I, um, I don't know how to articulate. I felt chippy, but I felt chippy all the time. Like I, I think if you know your normal response and your normal energy, you know, when something is not just like out of whack from time to time, like you're not just losing your temper. I guess that's what it is. I was like, my sort of like base level started at temper, like on my best day and not one day, not one bad day where I got less than ideal sleep or something bad happened. Just like I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm starting at nine. Like you chose violence. Every I chose violence day. every day. <laughs> and, and it was like, I mean, I just knew like there was something dysregulated in my body where I was like, and I mean, like truly physically, I've thought about this a lot. Like I was like, my shoulders hurt. Like my traps hurt all the time, all the time. Kelly. I, and I, was like, I was like, but I'm not doing any like heavy strength workouts. No, it's, it's like the actual, like walking around with my like shoulders <gasps> as earrings all the time. And like, you know, like feeling that some of that was just like, Ooh, that was, that was a sign. So I think like paying attention first of all, to physical cues. Again, I told you, I now know that the things I was feeling 
like even cravings. I mean, I am not the wellness professional that you are. And so I don't want to go outside the scope and talk nutrition and all that. I'll leave that to you. But I do know that like the way I was eating and what I was craving and like how all of the things like that shifted. Mm. And, um, I've tracked my macros for so long that I know now that I could have probably looked at it and been like, huh, that's, that's a little weird. So I'd say they're just like some physical things that it, it's kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm also super in tune with everything related to my breast health. You know, I have a history of breast complex, you know, health and cancer and complications on both sides of my family. I have been getting, um, mammograms, biopsy, like you name it. And so like, I know if something's off in my body, like I, I call my doctor that day. Yeah. I mm-hmm. wish now that more people were like, I don't, again, it's like, I don't know what's wrong with my body, but I just feel off. So I know that's not the most helpful articulate thing, but if you are feeling like something is chemically or physically off in your body, I think that is like, there's no downside to getting yeah. your blood work, talking to Kylie, like what is going on with my body? Help me. Yeah. If you can fix that, I know that that was a physical sign that something was going on. Mm-hmm. Waking up and feeling like you're at level nine, you woke up and chose violence consistently. Mm-hmm. If that feels like that's become the norm, then I would say there's no downside to saying, I feel like something is off. I need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I also know too that listening to people who loved me try to tell me, you know, we were talking about this right before we started recording Kylie, but you know, if I'm honest about my own experience, I don't know that if someone had come to me nine months ago when I was like approaching peak, I don't know that if someone had come to me and said like, Hey, I'm a little worried about you. You feel off. Like I'm, I am an empath, you know, I'm my two is my wing. And so I know that I would have been like, Oh, wow, really? But I think I would have just been like, well, that person's feeling it from me, or maybe I'll just treat that. I'll be more careful about how I act toward that person. I don't think I really would have been able to say, well, this is bigger than just this one person. But what did unfortunately kind of came to a head was two people in particular who love me deeply. And I shared this earlier in our conversation, you know, two people that I knew were like, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. Like, this is not an ultimatum. This is not like you fix yourself or I'm out of here. It was more like I'm here forever. Like I am ride or die. I love you, but I am deeply concerned about the way that you're behaving. You are toxic toward me. You're toxic toward team members. You are saying things to me that make me feel hurt. You are impatient with the kids. You are skipping dinner to eat, you know, to work, like all of these things, these were conversations that people had to have. So I wish that I had advice that wasn't kind of reliant on these external factors in these conversations. But I will just say that if anybody in your life, especially those who truly love you for you and don't have like, don't, it's not, I don't want you to ignore people that have buy-in, but there are certainly people in my life during that time that benefited from my burnout. Oh yeah. So hard to admit that because I don't necessarily think they're bad people or that they were bad actors. It's just, you know, me working 12, 16 hours a day sure benefited a bunch of people. Like you make a great employee. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like why, what is their incentive other than wanting the best for me to really step in? Mm -hmm. And I understand that struggle, you know, it's Mm -hmm. so, but yeah, if people that truly love you for you and have absolutely no incentive, 
or no kind of attachment to your work product, mm-hmm. they approach you and they tell you they think something's off. I would just take that very, very seriously. And if you have any inclination that talking to somebody would help, you don't know why, you don't know what it is. I realize now, Kylie, that I think, again, I was so open to therapy. What held me back from talking to somebody earlier was like, I didn't have a traumatic event. Yeah. Like same. I've been a lot about that. I could, it, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this terrible thing happened to me. It triggered all of these things. Let's deal with that. I think mm-hmm. there is, and it's really hard to admit, but I think I really struggle with like, am I worthy of therapy? Like, how can That's I even my ask problem for help when I'm like, mm-hmm. I just, yes, exactly. Not only are, and yes, full stop. My problems aren't big enough. Cause again, let's also, I felt in the moment like, man, what a first world complaint, right? Oh, you're so stressed by your full-time job that is supporting your family during a time of pandemic. When people are really facing financial challenges, you are healthy. And your biggest complaint is that you're tired and exhausted. You are frustrated with your two kids that you have while people who are close to you are struggling with, you know, all of these things, like all of these first world problems. I had a good job with benefits. My husband has a good job with benefits. I, again, I told you like the highlight reel, I would, I was traveling internationally. I was speaking on stage. I was, I was all of these things. So yeah, being saying, Hey, I, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. I need help, but not being able to say this thing happened was a difficult barrier for me to get over. And the funny thing is, is I talk to my therapist now who is, you know, she has all of these upper level strategies to help with trauma response and PTSD and these very acute issues. But she was like, I actually wish that more people understood that it's not your job to figure out the trauma. And even people who think they know what the trauma was, there's usually so much more. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of like, you know, when I said people come to me for marketing and they're like, I don't know what's wrong and I don't know how to figure it out, but like, here are my books, here's the back end. Like you go figure it out. Like I can understand completely that process on the marketing side. And I could not necessarily understand that that's also how therapy can work Mm -hmm. to just walk in and be like, I feel like garbage. I mean, to everybody, I feel like I'm about to like truly set fire. I'm about to quit my job. I'm about to quit my friendships. I'm like, don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything. I'm sick of getting dressed in the morning. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work out like all of these things that were signs to me. All I had to do was walk in and say like, here's, here's a list of the things I'm feeling now you figure it out. And she's like, yeah, hey, that's my job. That's, that's actually what I do. Thank you. Why are you guys trying to make my job so hard? Um, so yeah. So I would just say if anybody is feeling like clear that if anything I've said that you've said resonates, uh, burnout is different things for different people. I would just say on the whole, it's like, when you know, this thing that you have become, or this feeling that you have is not you, mm but it has taken over your persona, then take some action. All it does is make things better for you and everyone around you. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about fixing it or being able to name it or articulate it. it is 100% okay to talk to somebody and just say, I don't feel right. And I don't know why please help. Yeah. Like that's their job. Yeah. That is their job. Talk about a full stop. Yeah. I don't know how to help myself right now, but I don't feel right. 
And isn't that amazing? Because for you, that is what you do for women and men, you know, for, for me on the marketing side, that's what I do. So, and I think many of your listeners probably do that in their day to day. They do. We're all fixers at some point, like moms who Mm -hmm. are like, no, I don't need my kid to tell me why they're upset. My job is just to hug them and make them feel better and figure it out. You know, teachers, dog, like all of these people, there's not an industry or a profession or a role where we're not already doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I think just, yeah, I, I, for me, and if, if fellow high performers and type A's and perfectionists are listening to this and I'm sure they may are, they are, you know, if you're feeling like, well, I, I will get help when I can figure out what I need and who to talk to just don't wait that long. Mm-hmm. It gets really ugly and dark and painful and isolating. And I can tell you that because again, I feel like I did hit that bottom layer and look down and there was nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that I was able to articulate my need for help and to take action and feel very thankful that I was in a position where I could invest in those yeah. resources. You know, I'm, I'm really clear that that is a privilege too. And it's a whole indictment on the way that we handle mental and physical health. Um, yeah but that's a soapbox for another day. Uh, But, you know, if you're feeling like that or you're approaching that, just remember, like, there is no downside. The worst thing that happens is you say, I'm not feeling right. And you talk to somebody and you feel better Mm -hmm. or that's not the right person. And you figure the next thing out, but being proactive about it only benefits you and everybody around you. So true. Well, and then to wrap up, like, so is it six months or nine months later? So that's a great, you know, talk about the spectrum. Uh, the timeline for me was, you know, high performer, 1980, March 17th, 1980, Katie was born a high performer perfectionist, <laughs> but really triggered everything. Um, but, you know, for me going through the real kind of end stages or like the escalation of burnout all the way to the point where I was torching things in my life and then making changes to get better that happened pretty quickly over the course of, I'd say July, 2021 through November. So I exited my job immediately walked into therapy, immediately made all these lifestyle changes, like all within a few days. Mm -hmm. And that happened in early November, 2021. So like the real downside of feeling dark, feeling terrible, acting terribly, being toxic, that all happened over, you know, July to November. I'm sure it built before that institutionally me. Um, but from November to when we're talking about this in, you know, April, May of 2021, that is where all of the hard work has, has been. And I am a completely different person. I can't tell you my DMS now are full of people who are like, wow, like you look so happy. You seem so happy. You're glowing. And I'm appreciative of it. But it's also like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's not an act, you know, I am like, you know, really going to probably for the rest of my time confront, like, why did I feel like I needed to put on this actor, this persona when I was in pain? What does that say about me? What does that say about the role I was playing? What does that say about those of us who, again, it's like that, that binary, like I can be this extrovert and be happy and all these things and still be struggling behind the scenes as my introvert. Um, but yeah, so the, the timeline, I would say, you know, it's probably about a year start to finish of when it started to go from just like moderately kind of maintenance stressed mm-hmm. to acute stress to bottomed out burnout, 
massive changes in my life, blowing things up, interventions from people in my life, therapy to today. Um, that's been the journey. And now you feel, do you feel yourself now? Very much, very much. And, and, and feeling myself includes space for having bad days. Right. Yeah. For losing my temper and for making bad choices and for, you know, all these things. Like, again, I, my core hasn't changed, Mm -hmm. but I, it's funny because I've used a bunch of analogies just in talking to you. And I, and I feel like an SNL skit at some point where it's like, I've kind of gone to the woo side where mm-hmm. all these phrases that I've learned both in therapy and also just like I'm, my personal development has changed. I've gone from listening to a lot of professional development podcasts, which I still do, yeah. but I'm like, no, no, no. The things that interest me more are just like, what makes, what makes people tick? What are people passionate about? Like, and just like fun things, you know, like hearing other people's joy for me is really infectious. And I'm like, Oh, I want to chase that. Mm -hmm. And so like all of those things have made it so that I do feel much more like the me that is the most true version of me, which is still funny, spunky, perfectionist. Like, you know, I, I love to be a little bit provocative. I don't mind you know, calling out BS when I see it, none of that change, but it's just not reactionary and mean. And sometimes, and when it is, I like catch it in the moment. Like Mm -hmm. I literally use therapy speak at home with my kids. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to take a minute for myself. I need to take a few deep breaths. I don't want to react out of anger. Can you give me a moment? And my nine-year-old's like, okay, mommy. (laughs) Oh my God. Like they're just used to like therapy speak now, instead of me just being like, and then apologizing 30 seconds later. So, Oh my gosh, my son, both my husband and I go to therapy. And so we talk about it a lot. And Brooks wants to go because he's, he's like, I think he wants to go because we go. Oh yeah. And then he says to me, mom, I've got social anxiety. Oh and my was, God. Well, welcome to the club, buddy. I mean, not to diminish your experience, but it's true. Yes. Thank you. That is such a valid. Yeah. I'm like my, my older daughter definitely uses the, I have big emotions, mommy. And I know, and she does. Um, she's like the, the most empathetic person I've ever met in my life. Oh, and parenting and empath is like, it's a whole new journey of patience, uh, for me, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, I, you know, again, not to be like too woo or too dramatic, but I'm, I really am thankful Kylie that we are having conversations like that with our kids and with yep. our friends. Uh, you know, it's again, going back to this idea of shame versus guilt, I have released any shame that I feel about being somebody who struggles with mental health. I just don't have it. You know, I am working hard to detach shame from the things that I do. Oh, I sent that email out with the typo. Like I would still be like, I am the worst. I can't believe I am so careless, but like shame attached to this, it's just not there. And I think in large part, that's just because I talk about it. Yep. And the reaction from people is so positive. And yeah, knowing that my kids, you know, everybody hurt. Everybody is going through something. I don't care how healthy you are, how well you manage stress. Like there's always something in your life that feels troubling and problematic. And I just, I definitely want my kids to know that they are so valuable and their life is so worth, you know, every, I mean, it's, it's everything. And I just, 
I probably, I could not, I know this, I could not in good conscience know that I kept quiet about my experience and what worked for me, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, if I stay silent, it, somebody else might not know or mm-hmm. might not feel heard or feel seen. And so, yeah, I, I look forward to a time when our kids are really speaking in, you mm-hmm. know, therapy jargon and, and using and parroting our phrases back to us. Um, it'll be really, I'd be very, very happy if I heard my kids kind of using that back to mm-hmm. me rather than, you know, other behavior that I'm sure I used before I knew better. Yeah. Well, and also to that point about everyone, you know, with social media, I know a lot of people struggle with comparison and you see one person who looks like they have it all together. I will guarantee you, she does not have it all together. I don't care who oh, you're looking at. Oh my gosh. It's, it's crazy. And you know, it was funny because I was talking with a very close friend who's an influencer and I've been friends with her for years, years. Mm-hmm. And she's got a big following. And I just learned that she sends most of her, like she purchases her clothes to put them on to put her outfit of the day, to put her like to know it. And then she returns them all. Oh my God. Now, there's nothing, there's really nothing ethically, like none of that what? is wrong. None what? of it. I was like, wow, it's just, and it's, you know, that's way more surface than what you're talking about. Like someone, you know, showing an outfit of the day when really they're going through a relationship issue or for, you know, all of these things that we know are happening. But it's like, even that little thing, I was like, oh, just even the act of someone doing their job right now, there are things about the way that we do our job and do our job successfully that are also not, you just, you just don't see everything behind the scenes. And I was like, Oh, Oh, like that has nothing to do with mental health or posturing. It's like, but it's all part of the same story. Yep. And I do think that, yeah, like again, Brene Brown, now I've been like, it's a Brene Brown podcast at this point, the way I'm talking about her, but you know, she was talking a lot too about, she talks a lot about jealousy and versus envy Mm -hmm. and, you know, envy being wanting something that someone else has and jealousy being afraid that someone will take away something that you already have. Mm. And I've been thinking a lot about that, about like, how do I feel when I see someone else living a different life or living a more quote unquote successful life or having these things X, Y, and Z, and really being able to recognize this idea that like, you can still be aspirational and you can still be inspired and you can still kind of want those things for yourself without attaching this negative feeling of like, I am less than because I haven't done that or achieved it. It goes back to our talk about like, I am now much more at peace with saying my role in developing companies that have grown to seven, eight, nine figures that are sustainable, that have empowered teams of people and given opportunities to teams of women who can then support their own families. Like all of this work I've done, Mm -hmm. not that it's been stealth or anonymous. It hasn't been any of that, but it has been, as you said, the back end work, the behind the scenes, the making the machine run. Mm -hmm. And the same way that I'm now able to say that is a hugely valuable role the number ones couldn't do what they do without a number two. And the number twos couldn't do what they do if they didn't have a team of support. I recognize that in a different way. And I am able to apply that to other people's lives as well. Is that like the things that some people are good at showing or doing or being affirmational, inspirational, aspirational, all of the things. Like, I just don't need to feel, I don't need to feel any kind of way 
no about that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just think detaching that. And like you said, just having a lot of grace of, and it's not inauthentic. I think that's where I, you know, to, to wrap up what I was saying earlier about like really reconciling, I was putting on this happy face, but I also don't, if I'm really honest, I don't have a lot of dissonance or shame even about that because I wasn't, I also like, wasn't always unhappy. Isn't that yeah. the funny thing I was like telling you about like, Oh, I was at this, I was at a nine, but like, I still had so much joy and I still laughed and I was still having fun and I was still doing amazing work. Like my mm-hmm. performance never suffered. Yeah. I was really good, even at my very worst. Like my mm-hmm. performance had this inverse relationship with my mental health. Yeah. But so like, I could still do these things that were front facing and happy and joyful and X, Y, and Z, even while I was this. And I don't feel like it was inauthentic or fake, at least not all of it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can definitely kind of say like, you know, I talk a lot about like, check on your strong people mm-hmm. and people that you see who are influencers or who have a voice or who are, have a big following or whatever it is, you know, they're usually pretty strong people, not all of them. But again, that doesn't mean that they don't find some of the things they're carrying to be really heavy and they are just, you know, good at compartmentalizing it or, you know, maybe they're burned out behind the scenes too. I think that is you and I, I think would agree that more people are feeling even some lower level symptoms of overwhelm and anxiety and something on the path to burnout. Almost everyone I talk to right now is, is telling me they're feeling something. I don't know anyone who's not. And I think it's because, you know, of everything that happened during the pandemic and then things have sped up and they've, I feel like they've sped up times two. And so everyone is in hyperdrive and we can't keep up. And that's exactly right. Yeah. And you know, it's, there's always some new thing to do some new place to be first or be the most. And, Mm -hmm. and that's exhausting and I understand it. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't vilify it because here I am on Instagram and looking at TikTok, you know, it's like, I'm buying from people. So I'm part of it too. Oh yeah. But I also, you know, be becoming older. It also does give me this wisdom where I care less. And it's so funny because I, people 20 years ago probably said this and I was like, okay, okay, old lady. And now I'm like, no, no, no. Like, listen, listen, like you, it's not that you stop caring about how you look or how you're perceived. Like I'll never stop caring about that. But you just have this different element of like, I can find a lot of joy and fulfillment in this and be okay with not having that. Mm-hmm. Like I am never going to be huge on TikTok. Yeah. I am never going to be huge on like whatever the next viral thing is, but I'm really centered and focused in. I can still be good, have a valuable role, have a sustainable career, have a ton of value in all of these things. Oh, and by the way, be a good parent mm-hmm. and divorcing myself from wanting to do all of the things I mm-hmm. think is it is part of also that burnout recovery. Like I, there's just no way to be good at all the things. No. And yeah. it's, I know there's the pursuit of that is exhausting. I know people are, well, you need to have an app Kylie and then you need to do this and then you need to do supplements. I'm like I'm not doing supplements. I'm not going to have an app. I don't want that. Yeah. This is what I can manage. This is what I want to manage. This is my level of busyness I want. And That's exactly it. And I mean, that's one of the big benefits for me from this burnout recovery is that, you know, I told you earlier 
about setting and honoring boundaries. Like I have very, very, I cap the number of hours that I will work Mm -hmm. and I just don't do more than that. That's awesome. And I'm okay. Like, you know, I literally have a whole day set aside to whatever I want. Like it's called that on my calendar. And sometimes I'm working and sometimes I'm recording my own podcast. Sometimes I'm writing and sometimes I'm getting a manicure and sometimes I'm having lunch with a girlfriend and sometimes I'm watching Netflix in my jammies. But Mm -hmm. like that for me is both self-care and it's sort of honoring this space to not just be productive, to not just be busy, to not just be, you know, a creator, Mm -hmm. just to like be, to be is so peaceful. I love it so much. I do too. Well, um, one more thing, if people do need to connect with you, where should they find you? Instagram is where I am the most active and I talk about this topic and a million others. Mm -hmm. And I'm at Kay Widrick on Instagram. I would love for anyone listening to let me know how you're feeling. Was there something that I shared or Kylie shared that resonated or that you're feeling? I am an open book on this topic in particular. And if even one of you feels like, okay, I feel heard, I'm seen, or I feel like I need to dive into this a little bit more, then it will have been so worth it for me to share my story. And so yes, Instagram is far and away the best place to hang with me. And you'll get to see pictures of my two amazing kids and my dogs and you know, my uh, beach walks in Florida. So I appreciate it, Kylie. And I really do look forward to connecting with your community. Yes. And, and you just started your own podcast as well. I did. So, you know, I just said, I'm, I'm releasing all of this extra work, but one of my, whatever I want to do projects has been starting a new podcast. It's called the rising tide talent show. I actually am addressing the topic of burnout and I go into even a deeper dive into my particular experience and some of the institutional experiences that led to, you know, my journey. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm addressing that on the show, but really the rest of the episodes are going to be primarily about how you can build the life that you love in your particular field, in your industry and work less, but enjoy it more. And so it does all connect back to this. Like, how can we be high achievers? How can we use our superpowers, but do it in a way that's sustainable and healthy and still leaves a lot of room for fun. So I'm really excited to explore some of those topics and share a lot more of like marketing and sales tips and business building and stuff that, you know, other B words that aren't about burnout, but I'm sure we will also always talk about mental health because it's just too, too near and dear to my heart. Yes. And I just, I wish everyone understood the possibility of what you just said. It is possible for you to be successful, but not be overwhelmed. It is. And, and I'm experiencing it right now. I mean, uh, you know, I, I so badly want for anybody who's in pain or struggling right now to, again, if you don't know how or what it's going to take or even what you're experiencing, but you believe that the end of the story is happy. And if you believe that you are worth feeling different than you feel right now, like that's all you need to do there. Like Kylie and I are roadmap experts. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you tell us that you're struggling with, your health with your fitness, you want this, that, and the other, then you go to Kylie and she maps it out for you. And she holds your hand and she gets you where you need to go. And she makes it safe and fun. You tell me, I have this business idea and I don't know how to grow it. Same thing. Like I literally build you a roadmap. So 
this idea that you have to know where all of the moving pieces and parts are from A to Z is just, I mean, that's a fallacy. Mm -hmm. But if you know that the joy that you hear in my voice and like, go back to my old Instagram reels, like go back to my old Instagram posts. If you go back to July, 2021, take a deep dive, watch me, listen to me. I've done that. And I've almost taken down some of those videos because it's hard for me to listen, Mm. but I'm not going to do that because it's, it wouldn't be honoring the journey. You know, I'm not trying to erase that part of it, but if you hear me on the podcast now, and you go back and listen to like literally the tone and cadence. If you look at the way my skin looked, if you looked at the way I held my body, it's night and day. And so mm. if you can even just say like, I don't know how she did it or if that's the path for me, but I know like I'm here and I want to be where she is there excited mm. and joyful and positive and optimistic and all the things like, then I want that for you too. Mm. And it absolutely is achievable. And there are just so many ways to get there. Like, because X, Y, and Z roadmap worked for me and X, Y, and Z roadmap worked for Kylie doesn't mean that it's the thing that you have to do, but just know that there absolutely is a path to happiness. Mm -hmm. And I just, you're so worth it. That's, that has to be what resonates. Like, I just don't give up, don't give up on feeling better and don't believe that you are not worthy of it. Mm-hmm. Each and every person listening truly is worth investing the time and energy and getting well and feeling well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, that's an awesome note to end on. Katie, thank you so much for your time. This is so great. I know it's going to help so many people. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Kylie. And thank you everyone for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So did any of that sound familiar to you? And if it did, please take some time to reach out to someone who you think could potentially help you. If you want to connect with Katie, you can find her on Instagram at kwidrick. That is K-W-I-D-R-I-C-K. I know she would love to help you out. You guys, we're all doing a lot right now. We've all been through a lot and it's okay that you are struggling. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you found this helpful and I cannot wait to deliver the next episode.